This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. We want to thank you. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, the seventh month of the year, yet you have kept us. You have preserved our lives. Daddy, we say thank you. Take all glory, take all honor, take all adoration. For you alone deserve it all. Daddy, for your faithfulness over our lives, we say thank you. Lord, even when we were unfaithful, you have remained faithful. We say thank you. Lord, we ask, oh God, that you take all the glory and all the honor in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we look into your word of life this morning, we ask Jehovah that you will speak to us, that Lord, you will teach us by yourself, and Lord, you will open our eyes of understanding that we may receive nuggets of wisdom from above in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as the vessel bringing the word this morning, Lord, I pray that I will not be in the way. That Lord, your word will come forth as you have intended. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. If you already have the church app, the sermon note is already on the church app, and you can follow along uh, that way. And uh, for our online uh, folks, I say you're welcome. I wasn't quite sure how to qualify that. <laughs> but we welcome you as well. You are all welcome to church today. So today we're going to continue uh, the series that we have started uh, for about four weeks now. No, well, three weeks. Uh, today being the fourth. Uh, we're looking at, we're going through the epistle of John. Uh, we're in the first epistle. And uh, we spent three Sundays on just chapter one. Uh, we're going to chapter 2 today, and uh, as we continue today, uh, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2 from verse 1 to 14. And I have titled this uh, part today, I've titled The Proof of the Pudding. The Proof of the Pudding. The Proof of the Pudding, uh, some of you are familiar with the saying, that the proof of the pudding is in the eating of the pudding. Uh, the meaning of that is very simple. It means the value of something, the real value of a thing is best appreciated when it is experienced. Uh, you can have the pudding looking beautiful and well decorated, but uh, by the time you taste it, you might be disappointed. So I said the proof of the pudding. And if you permit me, I want to put a twist to it. We're not talking about eating a pudding. What I'm talking about here is that the proof of the pudding is in the living. In the living. The proof of who I am and who you are in Christ Jesus goes beyond confession, is what we're talking about today. So the Christian experience of being born again uh, is more than a confession. But the way we know a true brother or a true sister is by the way they live. 
is through their lives. Romans chapter 6 from verse 1. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that, we can, uh, so that God can show us more and more mercy, uh, more and more of his wonderful grace? And you know the response to that is God forbid. Uh, the old King James says, can we, shall we continue in sin and expect that grace will abound? He said, God forbid it. God forbid it. So when we talk about being a Christian, being a believer, there are certain distinctives. And one of those distinctives is that, yes, we have the grace of God, but the grace of God does not encourage or permit, nor permit us to continue sinning. So as believers in Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, there are certain fundamental changes that must happen in our lives. And you know, like the Apostle Paul said, he said, you are our epistles. We don't need to write any epistle letter of recommendation. He said, your life, your life, how you live your, world, your life in the marketplace is the epistle of God. So when men and women are wondering who Jesus is and what Christ has done, when they see you and they see me, they should have an idea of what Christ has done. Amen? So let's read. 1 John chapter 2, we read from verse 1. 1 John chapter 2 from verse 1. Say, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. The one who is truly righteous. Verse 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And uh, we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know. I didn't finish reading. That is how we know we are living in him. Verse 6. But thank you though. Uh, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment to you or for you. Rather, it is an old one you, had, you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. And you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. 
Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I thought somebody would say amen to that. Amen. Hallelujah. I say your sins have been forgot, are forgiven through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 13. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. And the last verse for this morning. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in faith because you are strong. Because you are strong. God's word live in your, lives in your heart and you have won your battle with the evil one. The first thing I'd like to establish as we get started this morning is it's important for you to understand that when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapters and in verses. Amen? So what we have read is not a new thought that is beginning. It's building on what he has been talking about from the first verse, I mean from the first chapter. And in the first chapter, we dwelt on this quite a bit. This is a, quest, uh, a continuation of the message. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he said, this is the message. The message that we had from Jesus and we are proclaiming unto you right now. He said, this is the message we had from Jesus. And now we declare it to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Amen. As he began to break that up for them, the next verse is started talking about having fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And telling them what that looks like. That when we engage one another in fellowship and we are participating in fellowship, he said that as we do that, we dwell in the light. And as we dwell in the light, verse 7, he says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. His talk is the same thought that is continuing. And then he opens up in chapter 2 uh, with something very interesting. And from our introduction previously, we have talked about the fact that considering the age of John himself when he wrote this letter, amen, and considering the time since Jesus has died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, the people in this church must be probably second, third generation Christians. These are not people that walk side by side with Jesus because this is like 60 years after the fact. So there's a lot of young people, young believers in the church that are beginning to make sense of the scriptures in their own way. And the apostle, the father, the elder is writing to them to put things straight. And as he does that, in chapter 2, we're just going to glean three truths very quickly in chapter, chapter 2. The first thing, and if you are following on the app, the first blank there is don't mess with sin. Don't mess with sin. He opens up by saying, my dear children, my dear children, this tells us something. 
is writing to believers because he will not call the Gentiles his children. He's writing to believers. He's writing to people like you and myself that have been saved and sanctified. So he calls them and says, my dear children. In fact, most translations says, my little children. My little children. That is showing us something. In fact, the Greek that is translated there, technion, it means it's, it's like a term of endearment. A term of endearment. What he's saying to them is like, uh, you want to say bird and you say birdie. Or you want to say dog and you say doggy. You know, something endearing. He's endearing them to himself. And he's saying, my dear children, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. The apostle must have seen certain inclinations in the church that he felt needed to be addressed. Amen? There were certain things going on in the church. In fact, some theologians believe that at this time, you know, some people were beginning to secede and they are forming factions like we have all over the place today. We have this church, we have that church. We have, is it not the same Jesus? That's the question you begin to ask yourself. If it's one Jesus, how come we have so many different fa factions that believe different things and we all read the same Bible? That was what had started then and the apostle was trying to address it. So he said, my dear children, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. He, know, he knew their proclivities. He knew their weaknesses. He knew their inclinations and he's saying, what I'm writing to you is so that you will not sin. They saw that I'm writing that he's talking about is what is already written in chapter 1. How do we not sin? Number one, he says fellowship. Fellowship. When we engage in fellowship one with another, if you see me going the wrong way, you will say, brother, brother, I think you're going on the deep end over there. Right? Uh, sister, I, I think you are a bit excessive there. Can we tone it down? So when we are in fellowship, we can help each other grow together. That's what he's talking about. He said, these things that I've written to you is so that you can stand and stand firm in the faith. You know, some people today, they cannot be rebuked. They cannot be corrected. You know, they just have to do what they have to do. I've told you this story many, many years ago. Uh, this was probably 1993, 92-93. Uh, uh, some people were not born back then. Uh, <laughs> some people here now. I know they were not born at the time this happened. You know, in my church back then, there was feedback that came to the leadership that a lot of the young people in the, I mean, we were all young, you know, we're just young guys, you know. Uh, most of us were uh, those doing national youth service, you know. So it came to the leadership that there was a lot of fornication amongst the young folks and, uh, you know, singles in the church. So they started addressing the situation. So they called this one sister and said, it has come to our attention that you are living in fornication. She said, am I the only one? <laughs> What's your problem with what somebody, this heaven, you are going to answer for yourself by yourself when you appear before God. Amen? So we, 
what the leadership then was trying to do is to bring everybody together in fellowship where we are all participating to say, sis, you need to change your ways. Bro, you need to do things better. This is unacceptable. This is not the word of God. That is what they were trying to do. He said, I have written these things to you. Do not neglect fellowship. That is why Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, well, uh, that's arguable. Some people say he's not the author. Uh, but Hebrews, Hebrews tells us that we must not forsake him. The, we must not forsake the assembling together of the brethren. He said we must not. Why? Because in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. I cannot do it by myself. I cannot do it alone. When I'm doing it alone and nobody can speak into my life, then I have a problem. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. He said, as we fellowship one with another and with God in the light, his light guides us so that we don't sin. And if we remain in his light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. You know, one of the exciting things about God, in my mind, is this God, he knows us so well and loves us so well. And I, I, I'm, I'm beginning to get frustrated with myself that all these things that we know to be true, if we are communicating to those that don't know this Jesus yet, they will be excited to accept Jesus. Listen to this. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Why? For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Amen. He says the way God engages with you and I, he engages with us with such compassion. Why? Because he understands that we are just but flesh. Amen. He's not coming and hacking us down. How many of us have done wrong? How many of us have sinned? How many of us have known the right thing to do and have refused to do it? And yet, God has given us another chance, another opportunity. An opportunity to come back and say, Lord, I confess my sins. I repent of them. And the Bible says when we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God knows our frailties. God knows our weaknesses. That is why Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, the Bible says this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So God took on the form of man and came and lived our life. He walked the walk that we are walking today. So whatever it is I am going through, he knows how it feels. He's not a God that is so high, far above, that doesn't understand what we're going through. He did it by himself, to himself, for himself, so he can be in a place where he truly and really sincerely understands what we are feeling. He says, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. I know your weaknesses, is what he's saying. I know your inclinations. I know your proclivities. But I am writing to you 
Things that you can do, that you must do, that will help you so that you don't sin. Hallelujah. Number two, very quickly. Number two, still on verse one. Listen to this. It's just, it's just amazing to me how good God is. It's amazing to me. So it starts by saying, I am writing to you so that you do not sin. In the same breath, in the same sentence, he says, but, somebody say but. He said, but if any one of you sin, we have an advocate. Hallelujah. In the same sentence. He said, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Amen. We have what? An advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. What is he saying? He's saying, I know, I know you are made of flesh. I know you can fall. I know you can stumble. I know it is possible for you to miss the mark. I know it is possible for you to stumble and stray back in your old ways. He said, but when that happens, don't let guilt consume you. Don't be consumed by guilt and self-pity. I have heard stories of people, you know, that there's a, there's a particular church uh, in Nigeria. You know, these were people that very faithful. I mean, everybody knew them that these ones, ah, they are really God followers. And one sister in that group committed fornication, perhaps got pregnant, and decided to commit suicide. I'm like, what, what devil? What devil? Came upon her because she felt so bad that how could I have done this? I don't deserve anything. Killed herself. That's worse. Suicide. Express ticket to hell. Because God says, whoever destroys this body, he, God, is going to deal with them personally. Do not let grief of guilt consume you so much that you cannot come to your father and say, Lord, I am sorry. Lord, I am sorry. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. He says, we have an advocate. We have an advocate who is Jesus Christ, our paracletos, our advocate, our helper, our mediator, the one that comes between us and God when we mess up. And he stands before the father and says, ah, Lord, father, this is Adekoye. I know him. Sometimes he can be foolish and stupid. And uh, this is one of those times. He's foolish and stupid right now. Have mercy on him. He's pleading my case before the Father. Pleading my case before the Father. Remember, I talked about this last Sunday. As a child of God, I am not a sin practitioner. So I don't live a lifestyle of sin. But when I fall short, it is important that I know 
that God has a provision for me. His name is what? His name is what? Jesus, our advocate that pleads our case before the Father. You know, there are so many things I, I, I really don't understand these days anymore. You know, some people talk about us believers that we have a holier-than-thou attitude. You know, and interestingly, uh, there was a day uh, we were having devotion at my house, and I think almost everybody, I, I, I think it was everybody, they told me that I'm exactly like that. That I have holier-than-thou attitude like I'm better than everybody. I'm like, you really need to unpack this for me. Because when we have our devotion, I make myself vulnerable. It's not like I sit there and I'm instructing everybody. No, no. We have a conversation. And they began to tell me the observations that they have had, the way I carry myself sometimes, that gives that kind of impression. I said, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I started adjusting. If we understand who we are and what Christ has done for us, there is no way that any of us will feel like we are more righteous than anybody else. In fact, it would never be a question. It would never be a question. The, 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 the attitude we have sometimes, the arrogance is born out of ignorance. There's no way you understand who you are, who you have been, before God came and rescued you and pulled you to his side, that you go around looking at people and say, all these, all these unbears all these unbelievers that don't know anything. We are the holy order of the angelic purity order of... Uh, no. No, 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 no. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? First John chapter 1 verse 8, we read it last time. It says, if we claim we have no sin, understand that is writing to believers. It's writing to believers. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves are not living in the truth. If any of us will claim that there is no sin in us, he said we are liars. He said we are liars. So how is it that you now have a chip on your shoulder saying we are holier than them, we are better than all of those nonsense on bells? All of them, hellfire straight. No, 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 no. The intent of salvation is not for you to make it and others go to hell. When you see people that don't know Jesus, your heart should be bleed. Your heart should be heavy. That this person, Lord, you have to save this one. Lord, you did it for me. Have mercy on this one. That must be our attitude. Not one of arrogance that you go about and say, oh, we are saved, they are not. You know, I'm going to heaven. Abraham's bosom and all of those, whatever. If that is our attitude, we have missed it. The Bible says very clearly, he, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9. Let's read from 8, I'm sorry. He said, God saved us by what? It's not a trick question, verse 8. Let's start from 8. God saved us by what? By his grace, when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You see that? You say, you cannot take credit. I cannot take credit. It's a gift that God gave to me. It's a gift that God has given to you. 
Amen? The car that you guys bought for me for my 50th birthday, what did I do to deserve it? It's a gift. If you didn't give me the gift, what would I have done? Resign as pastor? No. No. Life will continue. Life goes on. It's a gift. A gift is a gift. A gift is a gift. Listen. It says, verse 8, God saved us by his grace when you, when you believed. And you can't take credit for it because it is a gift from God. Verse 9. says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So how is it that anybody is getting the impression that we believers are holier than thou? There's something wrong with that picture. Something wrong with it. And many of, many, of, many of us, most of the time, the things we do, we are not doing consciously. Like my children pointed out to me. In fact, my, even my wife told me. They said, as a matter of fact, even during devotion, the way I talk, I talk in the uh, condescending manner. I said, okay. He said, all the examples I'm giving is you did this and you did that, and that I never give example of how wrong I have been. I said, okay, I get it. <laughs> I, get, I, will give, I have examples. I just don't want you to feel bad that uh, daddy, you did that much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can I tell you something this morning? Satan is the accuser. Don't do his job for him. Don't do his job for him. Satan is who? The accuser. Revelations chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. He said, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Why? For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one, listen to this, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Day and night. This is one of the reasons why we need an advocate. Because when Satan is accusing you before God, you are not there. In fact, you are not even aware. Can I tell you something? A lot of the accusations are true. It's not what you didn't do. Because if you didn't do it, it will be easy that that's a lie. Shut up. <laughs> it will be easy to figure. He said, no, 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 that's not true. You know that's not true. And we know that's not true. So be quiet. A lot of times is accusing us of the things that we have done wrong. Amen? Say so he accuses them before God day and night. Day and night. But we have an advocate. Oh, you, you didn't receive, you don't, I have an advocate. I have an advocate. Jesus is before God daily, day and night, pleading my case. Even when I'm aware, he's pleading my case. When I'm not aware, he's pleading my case. I have an advocate, and so do you. Hallelujah. We have an advocate. Verse 11 of Revelation chapter 12 
He said, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. We talked about the blood last uh, Friday. Uh, you can go listen to the message. Uh, the Bible says, Romans 8 and verse 1. Listen close. Romans 8 and verse 1. It said, there is therefore now no condemnation. He said, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. This is what the apostle is trying to get this church to understand. He's saying to them, yes, you may have done wrong, but understand that God has made provision for you. Understand that you don't have to continue on that terrible path. Because for some people, once they have broken their uh, 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 loyalty, maybe they did something wrong. Say, well, everybody now knows, so let me just continue. Amen. You were secretly shacking up together. Nobody knew before. Now everybody knows. You say, well, it is what it is. You know, we are already in it. Let's just be doing it. No, repent. Repentance is a turnaround. It's a turnaround. It's a turnaround. Finally, number three, I say talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And this is how I came about the sermon title. Talk is cheap. Why? Because the proof of the pudding is in how you live. And the, the, the scripture, he says to them, verses 3, 4, and 5 of 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, two uh, 3 to 5, he says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandment, that person is a liar. And is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely. Amen. They love him. That is how we know we are living in him. What is he saying? He says the proof that I know God is in my obedience. The proof that I love God is in my obedience. If I do not obey him, it shows that I don't love him. If I do not obey him, it proves very clearly that I don't know him. Because if I know him, I will obey him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, 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 the thing I put there in the note is this. There are many commands that we have from the Lord that are not exactly measurable. Uh, when you get home, you can read uh, Luke chapter 6, 27 to 36. I just picked a few examples from there. For example, the Bible, the Bible says, love those who hate you. How do I measure that you are loving those who hate you? As your brother, as your sister, that we are having fellowship together, how do I help you grow and be better in that? It's not measurable, is what I'm saying. Right? Or it says, bless those who curse you. Well, you may not curse them with the words of your mouth, but in your heart. They are saying, may it not be good for them. May their life scatter. May whatever. You know, you're saying it in your heart. And when you say it in your heart, it is as good as you saying it with the words of your mouth. There's no difference. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, what, what I do, this is how I live my life. I do practical things. I don't want to measure by abstract. I measure by what is practicable. 
An example is in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says, bring all of the tithe unto me. Say, you have robbed me. In Leviticus, it says, you bring all the tithe. In Malachi, it says, you have robbed me. Say, how? It says, because you have not brought your tithe into the house of the Lord. That is not subjective. That is a willful act of disobedience. It says, the tenth of my income belongs to God. So when I refuse to hand over that to God, guess what? I'm living in disobedience. I'm living in disobedience. John chapter 14, verse 21 to 24. He said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Amen. All who love me will do what? What I say. What I say. Hallelujah. I think you get the point. Your action speaks louder than your confessions. You can say, oh, I love Jesus. You can say, oh, this, oh, that. But your action is proof of what your life really is all about. Listen to this. This is Jesus speaking here. In John 14, 31. I'm, I'm concluding now. He's saying of himself, but I will do what the Father requires of me. So Jesus set an example for us. He said, I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. He's saying the way the world will know that I love the Father is by me doing what the Father requires of me. Hallelujah. Listen to me. 1 John 2.6 1 John 2.6 The Bible says those that say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. How did Jesus live his life? Obedience to God. Obedience to the Father. How am I living my life? Am I living my life based on what is convenient for me? Am I living my life based on my, on my own terms? Or am I living as Jesus did? Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. I like that. I like that. If our heart is right, trust me, it's easy to love. It's easy to love. He said, but pastor, you don't know how they, I know. It's about you, it's not about them. Once you make your love based on what somebody does to you, you can't love. You have given up power. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've given up power. So when I love you, I'm not loving you because you did something good to me. I'm loving you by choice, by obedience to God. You know? Many, many, many people. You don't get to be pastor in charge 17 years and people don't <laughs> deal with you. Many, many, many people have dealt with me in this city. But you can never know by me interacting with them, ever. Why? Because whether or not I love is a reflection of me, not a reflection of them. Amen? Whether or not I love 
is a reflection of whether I am going to be obedient to God or not. Not them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I always have a choice. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you have a choice. I want to encourage us. There's something the Lord laid on my heart just as I was praying this morning. I already had my sermon notes, everything. If I already posted it, I added this afterwards. As a proof of your love for God, I want you to show somebody love this, this week. I know we can't visit. We are doing social distancing and all of those things. But call somebody. Do a virtual visit. Abby Biodno uh, Motoyo. I hope she's watching. She, she called me virtually. For us to, she, in fact, she scheduled a meeting and said, we're having virtual meeting. She said, we want to visit with you, Pastor. <laughs> virtual visit. You know, and she and the family, they showed up and we all, <laughs> we had fun together. Virtual visit. Or, go on Amazon. Go on Amazon, buy a gift and send to somebody. She said, but Pastor, I don't have money. That's what you have told yourself. The stories I told you Friday night about me counting pennies to buy gas. I was working. I have never not worked since I've been in America 20 years. Never. I've always worked. I was working. But because of my duty and obligation to God and to church, it left me with nothing. And I was okay with that. I was okay with it. Instead of me disobeying God, I would rather go without. Amen? Bless somebody. Bless somebody. If you say, I don't know what to buy them, send them Zen. <laughs> Do something sacrificial. That is the example that Jesus gave to us. That's the example of Jesus. That's the example. And you know, it's easy for... <laughs> to just sell money to Yinka, his wife. Once the money lands in her account, guess what? It's the same account. <laughs> he just goes out one door and comes in the other door. Bam! He said, we have done it. So he said, did you do Ah, Pastor. We did. We did. In fact, even me too, I sent to somebody. She just sent back to him. <laughs> you know, but think of somebody that when they hear from you, it will be a surprise to them. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. I want you to talk to God. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Examine yourself. Is your faith for real? Is your faith genuine? Are you for real? Your love, is your love for the brethren, is it for real? Or is it superficial? Yes, I know with COVID, we've not been able to meet and fellowship and all of that. Are you reaching out to anybody? Can you reach out outside of your immediate clique and just see how somebody else is doing? It's possible that some of us are thinking, oh, nobody has called me. You call somebody. If nobody calls you, you call somebody. 
Once you call somebody, you are engaged, you are talking to somebody. So whether you call or they call, at least you are fellowshipping. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you because, Lord, you have made provision for us. We know it's not by power nor by might, but by your spirit, O oh Lord. Father, I pray that you will empower us. You will strengthen us in our inner man to live a life that honors you, a life that glorifies you in the name of Jesus. Daddy, we want to give expression to your love that is abundant in our hearts already. Lead us. Guide us. Lord, shine your light over our lives and let us know who we can touch that will make a significant difference. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, blessed Redeemer. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.